1: This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio.
0: Merry Christmas. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. No Evan, Canty, or Michelle. You'll see them back here in 2024. But you've got Courtney Cronin and Mike Rothstein holding it down. Happy that you're spending part of your morning with us. If you're just getting up because the kids were up early to rip open all the (laughs) gifts, if you're out going to mass, going to breakfast. We hope you have a safe and healthy holiday, and thank you again for spending it with us here on ESPN Radio. A lot of sports today, Mike. There's five NBA games. There's three NFL games. This is not the normal slate that we typically see from the NFL on Christmas Day, but fortunately for us as NFL reporters, A, we don't have games today. And B, there are three games that fall into this Monday window, which, of course, kicks off with an AFC West matchup, Chiefs and the Raiders, Giants and then the Eagles, and then the Super Bowl matchup, or at least the precursor, in my opinion, the two number one seeds, AFC Baltimore, NFC, San Francisco. So a lot to get to there as we put a bow on week 16 of the NFL slate. But we go back to what happened during the late afternoon window yesterday. I was covering Arizona and Chicago. I know it's a game that literally was shown, I think, at about two or three markets. Tens of people
2: watched, Courtney. (laughs) Tens of people.
0: Hey, there were about 60,000 people at Soldier Field enjoying Christmas Eve, a very balmy Christmas Eve, if I may add, about 55 degrees, which is not normal here on the lakefront, but the Bears end up winning that game. And at the same time, I'm trying to keep my eye on what's going on down in Miami as the Dolphins, back-to-back playoff season, securing their bid yesterday, the first time that that has happened in five years, Mike McDaniel's crew beating the Dallas Cowboys 22-20. to And again, the same story for the Dallas Cowboy that we will be talking about all week. They go on the road. I won't say that it felt similar to Buffalo because unlike what happened last week, they didn't no-show. Offensively, they were right there. It just happened to be that the Miami Dolphins down the stretch, that Tua and Tyreek Hill combination coupled with that last-second field goal, five in total for the Dolphins on Sunday, That ended up being the straw that broke the camel's back in favor of the Miami Dolphins. And now we're talking about, can the Dallas Cowboys, will they be able to go on the road in the playoffs and all of a sudden be a great team playing away from AT&T Stadium? I'm I'm still not so sure about that.
2: No, and and you shouldn't be sure about that. They played well. I thought they played well in Miami. It was a loud environment in Miami. Mm. I was covering a game in the 1 o'clock window. I got home to catch most of the second half. And on the television, really on that last drive specifically that we we're talking about, you, you looked at it, and I'm like staring at my TV right now. I have no idea why. It's, not, it's off. So <laughs> it's just that Pavlovian response you have with toast. I have with when I'm talking <laughs> about my television. I look at it. But... What you saw there was a Miami team maybe finding itself, but with Dallas, they put themselves in a position. They came back from nine down in the fourth quarter. They took the lead. But the thing is, is Miami could have scored a touchdown on that drive if they needed to. They were rolling, and that's the thing about the Dolphins, right, Courtney? They have the most speed in the NFL. Mm -hmm. They have the most dynamic playmaker in the NFL outside of Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill. And that makes them incredibly dangerous because they have two guys who are incredibly fast running the ball in Raheem Mostert and Devin A. Chan. And they also have Jeff Wilson. People forget about Jeff Wilson. Like, this team is loaded offensively. And that's just a bad matchup for the Cowboys Mm -hmm. because their defense is quite good. But they're not going to face another team like this again. Offensively, unless they make the Super
0: Bowl, they make you cover every aspect of the field. I know that's cliche to say, but like you mentioned, it's not just Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. It's that run game that last year yeah. was you know 25th. Like their efficiency was so so. And yesterday, what they do on the ground is just enough at 3.5 yards per carry, 91 yards total. That's just enough to wear down this Dallas defense because then that opens things up for a Tyree kill, for a Jalen Waddle, for all their other receiving options. And I will say this about the Miami Dolphins like they in their own right had the same question that had to be answered that the Dallas Cowboys had can you beat a quality opponent at an opponent that is headed down the same trajectory as you come January come the playoffs they answered that question yesterday but I still think that there's a lot to be learned about this team how they're able to experience success but also maintain that level of success in January because they don't have the playoff experience. Some will say that doesn't matter. I think it does matter because when you have to eventually go on the road for a playoff game, which, which as currently constructed, they would because they don't have the one seed. And Now whether they're able to catch up with Baltimore, we'll find that out. Maybe tonight we'll end up you know, playing, playing a factor into keeping that door open, but that's something that we still don't know yet about this, style, about this Miami team. On the flip side of that, when we're talking about these these road losses, and I was just taking a look at like Dallas's schedule here, they've got one more road game, which is Washington to end the season. Washington ended up losing to the Jets yesterday. They've got a dangerous Detroit team, but that's back at home. So are we gonna regress to the mean next week and Dallas is gonna be back where they were the last couple <laughs> of games that they had at home? Forty something points per game. Everything's fine. No, because that doesn't wash away the loss at Arizona, the loss at San Francisco, the loss at Philadelphia, Buffalo, and now Miami.
2: You're right, but the thing, like you're talking about, they played Detroit on Saturday night on ESPN. And the thing with that game is that will tell us how real both those teams are when we're talking about a team that can maybe push San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Like, because – The thing with Detroit, we know Detroit can go and win on the road. We saw it last week, or not last week. We saw it 24 hours ago, less than that, when they played and won in Minnesota a game that notched their first division title in 30 years. So you see these things. Now we're going to see with this Detroit team, which has, they went on the road and they won in Kansas City in the season opener. This is going to be a very tough test for Dallas going forward. And that's going to tell us, I think, how real maybe this Cowboys team is when we're talking about in January, because they will be in the postseason. We know that because the mm-hmm. NFC is not so great beyond the top four teams or top five teams, because Tampa's turning it on a little bit.
0: Yeah, they so got like, into that, the that to me is where absolutely. it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I guess only yesterday when you think about the playoff picture so like they clinched their spot in the postseason last week i think that had something to do with green bay it was before their game was after green bay lost so that got them in and Dak said i don't care about that because they didn't win they no-showed on the road at buffalo but yesterday would have gone at least a little bit of a ways towards helping them maintain their lead in the nfc east now Philadelphia is back in that three spot. So that's a dangerous spot for the Sanford, for the Dallas Cowboys to be in because they want to be able to close out that their stretch here with Detroit and then Washington and then hold on to the NFC East. They have a far more difficult road though. In theory, because the Philadelphia Eagles have not beaten who they were supposed to beat (laughs) this year, starting with Seattle last week. They have a harder road to get there than what we project from the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. They've got the Giants twice. They've got the Cardinals sandwiched in there next week. But this is something that's happened all season long. The road losses, the way that the team plays away from AT&T Stadium. Dak Prescott answering to this question about why this keeps happening following the loss at Miami.
3: I mean, I guess it feeds it, right? We didn't, we didn't come out with the win. I can tell you the confidence is, is, is high from that group. Obviously, this, this one sucks. It hurts, especially, as you just said, in the manner that we did, that we lost this one. But, but the confidence is high in these guys. We understand that, that we can. Obviously, we haven't done it, but, but we will. And, and obviously, the, the road forward looks like we'll be going on the road. So got one more in this, in this regular season to, to dial it in and, and, and improve from this one, get a win, and then carry that into the, to the, the next part of
4: the season.
0: A very different tone from Dak Prescott after the loss yesterday versus the one against Buffalo. Result looked a little bit better. A loss is still a loss. You are what your record says you are, and they're a ten and four team. But all of that said, Mike, like how can they all of a sudden just like flip their identity when they inevitably have to do what Dak said and go on the road and play in the postseason? Like I can't think of another team that's done that in the AFC or the NFC in recent playoff history where they've all of a sudden become like a great road team after not showing that whatsoever throughout the regular season. No, I,
2: there's no reason to believe right now that they can. I, again, I thought that we actually learned a reasonable amount that they can hang on the road.
0: That's while, why the, to, going that's why the tone from Dak was different. And, and correct me. They're sorry. They were 10, they're 10 yeah. and five right now, but that's why the tone from Dak was different this week, because to me, it's hey, we were close. We showed we can contend with a really good team, a high powered offense. But shouldn't just being able to hang around with a team like that not be enough? Like, shouldn't you be more upset about that, knowing no. that this is the path you're going to have to take in the postseason?
2: Not necessarily because you want to be in close games in the postseason, especially if you have more postseason experience than maybe that team. And the Cowboys have a reasonable amount of postseason experience. They're not as much as San Francisco, not as much as Philadelphia, of course. But they're and you know, they played they played in what one at Tampa last year, which is where it looks like they would have to go now. So to me, I look at that and I say, yeah, I'm not really worried about that. In the moment I'm not worried about that at the moment because we needed to see them be competitive on the road and we saw that against the team again that offensively they're not going to see a team like that offensively until they would play San Francisco now it's not going to go well for Dallas if they play San Francisco and San you Francisco want, because you want we've this seen to be that like story third
0: times other. a charm like I just I'm too concerned about that like yeah can they get past Detroit maybe can they get past the 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 Buccaneers maybe. Like, I'm not going to go ahead and stamp my seal of approval on this Cowboys team going on the road. I'm not doing that either. I'm just saying. But, like, the thought is they're were not they not supposed to run into the Cowboys and have the same result happen that happened in the wild card round in the 2021 playoffs and then the divisional playoffs last year, you know, when they were playing well, against the Dallas Cowboys and we saw Ezekiel Elliott line up as a center on that final play. Like, all of those things – were, they were supposed to buck that trend this year, and it feels like they're headed back down that same path, and that's frustrating. I get it. If you're a Cowboys fan, you're like more of the same. You can beat the teams you're supposed to, you know, the easier teams on your schedule. But when you're supposed to beat the teams that will be a measuring stick for how far you can go in the postseason, you can't get it done. You can come close, the way that they did against Miami, but close no cigar.
2: Yeah, but we're we're taking out of, we're taking some of this out of like. Were the Cowboys expected to win the Super Bowl this year? Like, Is that, is that what we're talking about? I they
0: had Super Bowl they had, had, yeah, they had
2: Super Bowl aspirations, but that's nice. Every team in the NFL basically has Super Bowl aspirations. not
0: aspirations. Not in my opinion. I think this was a team with all that was at stake. Mike McCarthy, no more Kellen Moore, scapegoat gone, Take sure. over play calling, fix the offense, fix uh, you know, issues with interceptions, done, done, done so far. Dak Prescott, where he's at in his contract, kind of this weird, like you know, unstable ground. Is he going to stay next year? Might they trade him if he can't get a, if he can't get the job done? Had they reached a ceiling on Dak Prescott? This defense, Super Bowl caliber defense, maybe the best defensive player in the NFL, and Micah Parsons. All of these things were there, like. This team was absolutely expected to reach a Super Bowl this year and come out of the NFC the same way that we talk about the San Francisco 49ers. That can, there can be multiple teams with aspirations like that. It's not a one-team league or one-team right. conference. Like I, I absolutely feel like the Dallas Cowboys, if they don't get there, especially the way that they've played for most of the season, that's a failure of expectation on every level.
2: I, I see. I disagree with that just because they were never the Super Bowl favorite in the NFC. They were never the Super Bowl favorite. And they were always have to go on the road. Like, And also, they haven't played road games yet in the playoffs. We'll see how that goes. Because, again, they have the playoff experience that a lot of other teams don't necessarily have that they're going to maybe play in the first round because they're going to play Tampa. Mm-hmm. Or somehow, if they fell to the sixth seed, which is highly unlikely, they're going to play Detroit. Detroit's going to be loud. We were talking about that before. Ford Field will be very loud. But this is a team that has not – there's – Taylor Decker, I think, is the only guy on this team that has been in the playoffs mm-hmm. with the Detroit Lions. Like that That's what we're talking about here. that That's going to matter in the playoffs. And I'm not saying that Dallas is going to win a playoff game. I'm not saying that Dallas is going to win multiple playoff games on the road. We have not seen true evidence of that yet. But I'm just saying like, for us to say, oh, no, they're definitely not going to be able to do it. I'm not buying into that because they're also not going to face an offense like Miami more than likely in the first round or maybe even the divisional round of the playoffs unless they face San Francisco.
0: All right, let's put a pin in this for now. There's a lot more I want to get into here on the Miami side of things and what we learned from the Dolphins in their Week 16 win. But I need you to hear what Trevor Lawrence said following an utter embarrassment down in Tampa Bay yesterday for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's coming up next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
4: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions
1: apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Courtney Cronin,
0: Mike Rothstein, filling in for Evan Canty and Michelle here on Unsportsmanlike, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This show, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Merry Christmas to you and yours. If you're out shopping last minute, maybe some stores are open. What stores are open? Just want to let everyone target, maybe? I don't
2: know. No, I don't think so.
0: I just want to let everyone know, if anybody cares, Mike and I were hosting on Friday, and the whole bit of the afternoon was Courtney is a terrible procrastinator because she has not done her Christmas shopping. I ended up, bucking that trend I am showing up to my mom's house today with gifts in hand because (laughs) I solved all of my Christmas issues and I have gifts I won't have my mom my dad my brother um I don't know if I should go ahead and say them on air because I I think they're probably well it's Christmas morning you and I Pat, Javante, and Mikey C are the only people up right now. I believe. Um, no, I
2: mean I got a message from somebody already today. Don't don't spoil the gifts it... for your family. They they love it. Courtney. They love you. They're probably watching. I see your Instagram all the time. Your brother's <laughs> posting how he's got photos of you and every possible show on ESPN because you've been on all of them. Like he is absolutely listening or watching right now. Hello, Michael. How are so you? So I'm not just going saying to
0: go ahead and. Spoil the surprise. But I will let you know that my Christmas shopping is complete if anybody actually cared to uh, catch up with me on that. I know, Mike, you were very concerned about that, but I just want to let you know that I delivered. You know who else delivers? Herm Edwards, ESPN NFL analyst. He is (laughs) kind enough to join us in studio for a couple moments. Coach, thanks so much for the time. Merry Christmas to you and yours. We're talking week 16 NFL slate and the comments from Trevor Lawrence about – this team not feeling like they had practice or not looking like they had practice, and all of the turnovers. Mike and I were talking about Jalen Hurts earlier this morning. The comments he made last week kind of ringing true here was Trevor Lawrence. What, who was he calling out, do you think, when he made those comments after the Bucks game?
6: Well, I, I think he was probably calling out his whole team. But I, I tell you what, when I watched him speak... He, he went up for me a little bit, uh, how we spoke mm-hmm. uh, to the media about uh, their football team right now, because this is a team uh, heading into the season that uh, there were high expectations for, for a lot of different reasons, obviously he being one. Uh, and this team has not met that at this point in time. Uh, they, they've struggled at times in games where you watch them play and you go, what, what, who is this? What team is this right now? And so I think he's uh, really trying to rally his football team, which he is the quarterback uh, in a leadership role. And this is the first time I've actually heard him speak like this, right? He was almost out of his comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay, because this is a team that right now, uh, what, they're eight and six. And you look at them and you go, how are they eight and six, right? But they're eight and six. That's their record. So it'll be interesting down the stretch how they finish this thing.
2: Why, Herm, why do you think the Jaguars have struggled so much this year?
6: That's a good question. I mean, it's a great question, actually, because they have a lot of pieces. Uh, they have an outstanding head coach. And um, they just, they're an 8-6 team, and when you watch them play, you go, like, what's wrong with these guys? I mean, it's just like they lose some games where you scratch your head and say, "How did, why is this game close? I mean, they shouldn't. But it, it is what it is, and, and I don't know if it's just maybe the pressure of them being so highly regarded going into the season. Uh, but they can find their way out of it. Obviously, they can still win this division, but they've made it very uncomfortable for themselves in this division. <laughs> I mean, the NFC, the NFC and the AFC South, both those divisions, they mirror each other.
2: That's brutal. Right?
6: I mean, they <laughs> yeah. really do. I mean, think about that. They they were kind of mirror. They, they should almost have like the NBA had that little playoff end games. They should have those two divisions just play each other for like everybody play each other one time and see what it, what it comes out to be. Right?
2: They are playing each other this year. The NFC South and the Atlanta played in Indianapolis, but that's the yeah. thing. Jacksonville keeps losing. Like, yeah. they get help because Indian Houston keep losing too. Yeah, it's it just it's <laughs> like come on, nobody wants to win. Like nobody wants to really
6: nobody wants to go to the playoffs. <laughs> we don't want to go. Nah, we got better things to do
0: yeah a lot wow. of parody a lot of teams still technically mathematically alive I believe 25 teams are still that? technically yeah. in it which I don't know speaks to the parody in the league maybe just speak to the expanded playoff format but that is the case here as we are on Christmas Day and with Trevor Lawrence we know he's dealing with injuries too that plays into yeah. maybe the way that they play down the stretch two interceptions he put the ball on the ground a couple different times yesterday but When when you're talking about Jacksonville, like my my mind is thinking of like their mirror, which happens to be on the other side of the country, the Los Angeles Chargers, a team that lost yesterday to the Buffalo Bills, but a hard fought game. Herb Medwards, ESPN NFL analyst joining us here on Unsportsmanlike I was afraid that this would probably happen, but like in a good way, because when you're trying to pick a game in your pools for, for, you know, for fun and trying to figure out different point spreads, I thought 12 and a half was a lot for Buffalo. That's what the line ended up closing at because a team that just fired its head coach and front office is a dangerous team. Like what were your takeaways from the way that the chargers responded after that embarrassment that they had more than a week ago with the Raiders? Like, is this something that they can build upon in that close loss to the Buffalo Bills?
6: I'm hopeful. But, look, I have a history with this team, with the Chargers. Uh, And it's older than you two folks, actually. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm a West Coast guy, and so I grew up on the West Coast. And um, I can remember back in the day um, when I was in college, actually, and was at Cal and then ended up transferring to San Diego State. And the Chargers were there, right? And uh, they were in San Diego at that point in time, and they had a really a bunch of All Star players. They they were really good. I mean, it's fou- I mean, they just they had a bunch of guys, and you watch them and you go, "Wow, they're really good." But then when you got to the playoffs and stuff like that, uh, you know, the one that Kellen Winslow was in, obviously, you know, they was carrying him off the field. Okay, but think of the history of this team, mm-hmm. of the Chargers, and think about. All the players they've had—I'm talking from the '70s to right now—you can go back and look at the history of it, and you go, "Why? Why is it that they like just kind of fizzle out? You know, they're the, supposed to be the lightning bolts, and it's like they just kind of fizzle out. It just—why don't they ever like? You—you talking about a team with talent and expectations? It, it uh, here. And I don't mean to do this and people will say, well, you're picking on the Cowboys. I'm not picking on the Cowboys. But they're similar to the Cowboys in this sense. They have a lot of talent every year, but they seem to never get over that hump. It's just a hump they mm-hmm. can't get over. They're always injured, it seems. They've always got a good quarterback. I mean, you go back to the Dan Fouts years. You can go back. John Hadle. I mean, you can go back. Just keep going back. And you look at it and you go, why do they play like this historically? It's it's puzzling to me.
0: It's a question that the franchise has been trying to answer for a very, very long time. (laughs) Decades. Decades-long problem leads to wow. decades-long answers that have not been found with that Chargers team just yet. Herm Edwards going to stick around for another segment, help us break down Cowboys and the Dolphins. What's next for Dallas following another road loss? This is on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Well, we didn't
0: get the quarterback matchup that maybe we would have hoped for between Tua and Dak Prescott. That didn't materialize in the high-flying fashion, but it did give the Miami Dolphins a 22-20 win. They end up locking up a postseason berth in Week 16, and the questions that remain about the Dallas Cowboys... And their ability to win on the road, well, we're still talking about that. It's on like <laughs> Courtney Cronin, yeah. Mike Rothstein here on ESPN Radio, Herm Edwards, ESPN NFL analyst, kind enough to stick around with us for another segment. And that's where I want to start because this Cowboys team has lost at Arizona. They've lost at San Francisco, Philadelphia, Buffalo, and now their fifth loss of the season coming at Miami. They're going to have to go on the road in the postseason. The idea that they can change their identity and all of a sudden become a good road team, to me, that seems far-fetched. How do you look at it?
6: Well, they went on the road last year, right? Mm -hmm. And beat who, Tampa? Yes. Uh,
3: They might play Tampa
6: again. (laughs) Maybe a repeat performance. (laughs) Look, I, I think the game yesterday, and you guys mentioned it earlier, it was a game that both teams really had something to prove, right? Whether it was Miami beating a winning team, Uh, whether it was the Dallas Cowboys uh, improving on their road record. Uh, I I think, you know, I look at Dallas, and and the the question is this, with the Dallas Cowboys, and it really doesn't start for them until they get in the playoffs. I mean, look, this is a team that's probably going to win 12 games maybe this year again, Uh, and they seem to fall short in big moments when it comes to the playoffs. And I think these players are – are tired of hearing about it, uh, and and now they'll they'll have a chance to do something about it when they, when they play again, right? And I thought yesterday was a terrific football game, and I think most of us going into this that game yesterday felt like the first to thirty, uh, you know, was going to win. But it's funny because when you've been a part of this for as long as I have, you know, defensive players are hearing all this noise prior to this game as well about how these offenses are going to light it up and it's going to be a high-scoring game and you just can't wait. Uh, they got a lot of pride on, on those defenses, too. And, and it was a game that the defenses had a lot to do with uh, the scoring being so low, right? Uh, it it kind of started off bad for the Cowboys. They get it right down there on the, on the inside, the two-yard line, and they fumbled it going in, right? And when that happens, the first thing I said, I went, oh, no, really? <laughs> no, no, don't do this. But it ended up being a really good football game. Uh, and obviously, Miami goes down at the end and, and, and gets themselves in position with the field goal uh, uh, to, to win. But I still think Dallas is a good football team. Uh, when you look at the NFC, if you're ranking them, um, you'd probably say the 49ers are the best team. I would say number two right now, uh, some people would maybe say Detroit. I, I, I would say Dallas. And then Detroit, and then Philadelphia, to be quite honest. Because Philadelphia's struggling right mm-hmm. now. They are struggling. And I don't know if it's fixable, but we'll see.
2: was, Herm, when, when you're talking about Dallas real quick, I mean, I, one of the things I took from this with the Cowboys was that they came back from nine down to take the lead with three minutes left. Yeah. That, to me, gave, told me more maybe about this Cowboys than the fact that they lost the game.
6: Well, you make a great, great point. And enough talk about Dak Prescott, right? Well, he can't mm-hmm. win big games. Well, it wasn't. Dak Prescott didn't play defense.
0: Right. And so,
6: yeah. you know, I get it. They still lose as a team, but, but I mean, he put him in position to where, and, and that's what good quarterbacks do, especially on the road. And, and Dak is having a, a, a really, a really good season. Um, some people had, at, at some point before they had lost here said he was in the MVP race, uh, and, and, and rightly so, the way he was playing. But, but I think the MVP races is one guy's to lose and he plays for San Francisco, and it's not the quarterback. It's McCaffrey. I think what this, this, what, what this man has done this year is remarkable. I mean, he's got another 1,000 yards rushing. He has 500 yards uh, catching the ball. Uh, he's done that four times in the history of the National Football League. And, and you know, without him, that offense, and I get it, they have Purdy. They, they, you know, they, they've got all these other players. They, they, you know, I, I get it. They got Debo. I, 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 Uke, I understand it. But it's really, it runs through McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. I mean, he makes it all go.
0: And that's the game tonight. That's a uh, big one. Yeah. Potentially a Super Bowl preview between Baltimore and the San Francisco 49ers. Herm Edwards, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us here on Unsportsmanlike. And I look at Brock Purdy, all that he has around him to get to this one seed spot. And then I look at Lamar Jackson mm. and what he's had to compensate for, not having Mark Andrews, not having J.K. Dobbins, where some weeks you get Zay Flowers, some weeks you don't. Some weeks you get an Odell Beckham catch that'll put you in a great situation. Some weeks you don't. How how do you forecast this game? Oh, because boy. it's a <laughs> tough one when you think about San Francisco being five-and-a-half-point favorites at home and all that Baltimore had to do – to overcome the Jacksonville Jaguars escape down there last week with a road win, and now they're going on the road again.
6: Yeah, and, and playing a team that's comparable, they, they look like each other, really. They mirror each other, really good defenses. Um, they both can run the ball well. Uh, they have outstanding skilled players that can play in space, especially on the offensive side of it. Um, Lamar is unique in this sense. Um, he's improved as a passer. There's no doubt about that. But his uniqueness is um, making the unannounced run, Mm -hmm. right, when it's not announced. And this is the scary part when you play a guy like this. It reminds me a lot of the days that we used to try to defend uh, Michael Vick, right, Um, and you tell your defense, look, it's best you just keep him in there. Just make him throw it. Don't, Don't let him get on the perimeter or run because it's not like a lot of quarterbacks where they run for five and six yards and they slide. Lamar Jackson to run for 50 yards, and nobody can catch him. And, and, and that's the problem. And I think going into this game, Warner will probably be a big factor for the San Francisco defense. He's a guy that uh, obviously has speed. He's a great tackler in space. Um, he's a guy that needs to hover around the line of scrimmage when Lamar goes back to throw and just keep him right in the middle and have him. just. This is what I would do if I was a defensive coach. And have him just spy him. In other words, okay, you just don't, don't, don't cross the line of scrimmage. We got the four guys rushing. We don't want five guys unless we're bringing pressure. You just hang around here, and if he leaves, you got to go get him. Because if you, if you drop back in their zones and all of a sudden there's a lane there where Lamar can hit it, good luck to you. Because <laughs> he's going to be running. He's going to run for a while, too. You know. And, and so that's the scary part when you, when you play uh, the Ravens.
2: Herm, when you're looking at the Ravens, mm-hmm. and, you know you mentioned CMC before in terms of the MVP conversation. Yeah, ha- has the MVP award in some ways become the quarterback, the, be- the quarterback or best player on, on on the best team? Because if you look at most valuable, to me, th- there's it's Lamar Jackson with Baltimore, maybe Matthew Stafford with the Rams with the way he's playing, yep. and then everybody else in terms of like if he were not there, yes, this team would be in a heck of a lot of trouble. Yeah. Tyreek
0: Hill. Oh, that's
2: another one. Yeah, yeah, no, another one.
0: No, no doubt.
6: No doubt. But, you know, and, and we all know this, and it's almost like the Heisman Trophy. I, I think the Heisman Trophy, they ought to have two awards. Give it to the best quarterback. Have it the quarterback award. Yeah. Who's the best quarterback? And then has the Heisman Trophy. Who's the best player? Right? Who's the, be- who's the best player? Same way in the NFL. Right? The MVP. Okay, well, let's give a quarterback award so we can stop saying, That, well, listen, no, well, first of all, quarterback plays with the ball. He affects the game more than anybody. And when you're a really good quarterback in today's world because they throw it so much and a lot of these guys now come out of college, they can run as well, that's double trouble, right? And so it becomes one of those positions now where you say, well, this guy, because he handles the ball so much, he's going to get more opportunities, whether he's throwing it or whether he's running (laughs) because he plays with the ball. Between him and the center, they touch the ball the most. Right on offense. Because the center has to actually hike it to the quarterback. But I just think it's an award that eventually you split it up and then you'd have a shot at it. Uh, These other position players would have a shot at it.
0: Well, you've got three MVP candidates on the field tonight. The big one between Baltimore and San Francisco, there's Lamar Jackson, there's Christian McCaffrey, and then the odds on favor currently, according to ESPN Bet, to win the MVP award. Brock Purdy, minus 215. He's had an incredible season. He has shed the label of Mr. Irrelevant, and he's proving along the way that he can shed that label of system quarterback or anybody can play in Kyle Shanahan's offense, considering this six-game win streak that he has the 49ers on, looking to make it seven on Monday Night Football. Herm, we appreciate it. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Courtney Carnan, Mike Rothstein with you on Unsportsmanlike. Robert Sala got a vote of confidence from Jets owner Woody Johnson on Sunday prior to the Jets' win over the Washington Commanders. So he's safe for next year. But what about the other head coaches who may or may not be on the hot seat? We discuss that next here on ESPN Radio and ESPNU.
3: Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C dot com.
5: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had,
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Some awesome
0: stuff from ESPN NFL analyst Herm Edwards, kind enough to join us on on Unsportsmanlike. If you missed any of it, you can get it on the podcast wherever you download your podcast. Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein sitting in for the crew here on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and yours. Not always a happy holiday or happy time of the year for coaches in the NFL. This is where we start to figure out who might be out of a job come the Monday after week 18. We've already seen a couple coaches fired this season. It started back with the Raiders. The first coach firing, which was Josh McDaniels, a couple, it was like the midway point of the season, I think week eight. Surprise Monday night firing. And then the most recent, Brandon Staley. Well, We heard a vote of confidence, Mike, yesterday from Jets owner Woody Johnson that Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, the whole crew, they're running it back. So if you have your coaching hot seat list in front of you, put a line through Robert Sala's name because he's back for 2024. But I thought it'd be a good time to rip through the coaches on teams that are facing some uncertainty right now. Go through our confidence index. So from 1 to ten, one meaning you have zero confidence, that this coach is going to be back next year and then 10 meaning all the way to this is a lock. He's back. So let's start with a team that you cover the Atlanta Falcons, a team that one week they're up here. One week, they're down here. They're all over the board. <laughs> Arthur Smith, where are you at on this one?
2: He, he tries to not ride the roller coaster. He said that, but this season's been one, especially a quarterback. They found something. They, uh, the fact that the Falcons played as well as they did yesterday in a situation where they totally admitted they heard the noise, whether they actually heard it on social media or they just felt it, which linebacker Caden Ellis was talking about and then they responded the way they did, that tells me that he still has the locker room. To me, right now, unless they get blown out the last two weeks, I'm starting to have more confidence he'll be back next year. Put him, put it at like a 7 okay. right now, which maybe for some people in Atlanta probably feels high, but I'm going to say a 7 right now.
0: But you're close to it, so you obviously can take the pulse of the team in that situation yeah. and, and, and have a more accurate viewpoint than other people on that. So I'm curious, this next one, Matt Eberflew, Chicago Bears head coach. I f- sometimes feel I'm too close to this situation because one week it's uh, like you know he's getting fired after blowing a 12 point lead <laughs> against Denver, against the Detroit Lions, against the Cleveland Browns, and then they do what they did yesterday and they beat the Cardinals four straight home win. For all intents and purposes, I'm going to take myself out of this, but like because w- I'm curious, what is your number on Eberflus? Do you yeah, have it, like, I a mean, high number like an Arthur Smith?
2: They maybe I mean they are they're kind of they're playing each other Sunday in Soldier Field fantastic New Year's <laughs> Eve game but they're mirror teams right they both yeah. have such high highs such high lows major questions around the quarterback I'm going to say right now the way that this team has responded to Eberflus lately makes me feel like it's definitely above 5 I I I, I don't know the ownership as well as you do Courtney, I'm going to say like six, and that's only because if they want to completely go a different direction with the number one pick in the draft Mm and take a quarterback and say we want someone else handling the quarterback, that's the only reason. But they're looking okay to me that maybe they give give them a third year.
0: That's kind of where I'm at on it too, and I know there's a lot of Bears fans who want to see a change, especially if this team uses that number one pick on a quarterback, wants to see a different head coach and then a different offensive staff develops said quarterback. But if they went out, how can you fire a coach that went eight and nine? I just, I don't see it. My number would go even up further than five or six, if that's the case. All right. To the AFC North we go. Mike Tomlin's name has been weirdly on the hot seat, but then they do things like they did on Saturday and they blow out the Bengals. So he's safe, I assume.
2: I'm going to give it a nine. The only reason I'm not giving it a 10 is very simple, that if Mike Tomlin decides that Mike Tomlin wants a change of scenery, then maybe that will be why. But if Mike Tomlin doesn't want a change of scenery, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, You bring him back. He has never had a losing season as a head coach. Courtney, you cover the Bears. I cover the Falcons. Both of us, and I covered the Lions before that. Both of us have covered a plethora of losing seasons from the teams we cover. We might have covered combined more losing seasons than the Pittsburgh Steelers have had as a franchise. Pittsburgh Steelers (laughs) fans, I'm talking to you right now. You are lucky. Stop doing this. Stop forcing this issue. If Tomlin wants to come back, he should be back. To me, it's a nine.
0: It's Mike Ross, and I'm Courtney and This is on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We're ripping through a list of NFL coaches, whether they will be at their current job next year or whether they will be somewhere else. So far, Arthur Smith, Matt Eberflus, Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick. I think I already know your answer to this, but one to ten, one meaning no confidence, ten meaning all the confidence. Will he be back with the Patriots?
2: I'm going to put it at like a three right now. Mm-hmm. And if they had lost last night, it would have been way worse. But I'm going to put it at a three right now because there is so much history there. And if you are Robert Kraft, you understand if you are moving off from Bill Belichick, unless you're promoting Gerard Mayo or somehow you trade for Mike Vrabel or something that is in that Belichickian tree, you're starting this whole thing over again because there is since what 2000, there is 23 years of history there, Courtney, that... No franchise has that even Mike Tomlin Mm -hmm. doesn't have that in terms of what you have to do because it's so specific the Patriot way Mm -hmm. that you're going to be going through years of a rebuild if you move on. So that's why I'm at a three there.
0: The Chad Ryland last second field goal, maybe saving Bill Belichick's job. I don't know if I buy that, but I'm with you. I think it's pretty low confidence at this point, but I don't know if it's going to be an outright firing considering the history there. Maybe they end up having that mutual parting of ways. All right, this is an interesting one because the Bills right now have nine wins, but Sean McDermott for a while found his name in the fray here. Where do you stand on him?
2: I mean, it's not like I have great inside information here, but to me it's a 10. They're going to pretend, unless they miss the playoffs. If they somehow miss the playoffs, different conversation. But they're right now <laughs> they maybe miss the, the hottest team. the playoffs
0: after all of this? My God. Right. I mean, that's the Fire thing. The like whole, right now, they're the, team. Hottest team.
2: they're the hottest team in the AFC outside of Baltimore, right? So if you've placed them in the playoffs, you do not want to play them in the playoffs. He is not the one forcing Josh Allen to turn the ball over. Like Sean mm-hmm. McDermott, to me, feels very, very safe. Mike McCarthy. Again, feels very – you heard her last segment. They might win 12 games. You're not going to fire a coach. Yes, Jerry Jones is unpredictable, but he's not going to fire a guy who wins 12 games.
0: So you're putting it at happen. like a 9 or a 10?
2: I, I'll put it between an 8 and a 9. What if it's, just be, just What if it's, it's another
0: Jerry. 12-win season, though, and an exit kind of like we've seen the last two years from the Dallas Cowboys?
2: Unless he wants to go and – Go down. Try to go down the Jim Harbaugh tree, or or maybe he thinks he can get better. Like, at what point do you say, you know what? Listen, get out of your own way. Like, it's working. It's developing. Mm -hmm. Like, you're winning games. Like, eventually, it'll get figured out in the postseason. Don't do that, Jerry.
0: Quickly here, just give me a number, Antonio Pierce.
2: Who? Five, six. I I think that there's a real chance there. I think there's a real chance because of how they've done this.
0: And Ron Rivera. Zero. Yeah, I said one in 10, but I'm going to allow you to have a zero on Ron Rivera. Not, I like Ron. I think he's a good way coach. way but... on the wall with this Washington <laughs> team. I mean, we kn- we've known this since the ownership group took over. I mean, yeah. yeah, they already fired Jack Del Rio after that Thanksgiving Day loss. It feels like it's only a matter of time before Ron Rivera finds his way somewhere else. But I'll be really curious. Washington's actually sneaky good job considering the roster, considering the market, and considering where this team can go. Only upwards from here on out. All right, straight ahead, Christmas Day and the NBA slate. We get you ready for five awesome games coming up next on Sportsman.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio.
3: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.